This week, I'm talking productivity with Joel Stevenson, the general manager of Direct Brands at Vendasta, also the CEO of Yesware. And in a previous role, Joel built Wayfair's B2B business and also ran their UK business as well. Lots to do, lots to do. Uh, We're going to talk workflows and systems, how Joel uses the GTD, get things done approach to stay organised. We chat about employee productivity and if companies want their staff to kind of be creative and think for themselves. Uh, On top of this, we dig into habits and meditation and Joel's approach to meetings and how his weekly review is essential to his productivity. Now, check out the links in the show notes. Subscribe if you enjoy the episode. Let's get to it. Hi, Joel. Hey, John. Thanks for doing this. Um, so, so are you like really productive? Do you think you like get stuff done? Ah, uh, you know, I have my moments. <laughs> do, do you have moments where you don't get stuff done? Absolutely. Yeah. So you're not like one of these LinkedIn people who always get stuff done. <laughs> Yeah, you know the uh, the LinkedIn and the Twitter X uh, think boys are uh, yeah, yeah. something to aspire to, I guess. It's a little bit scary, isn't it? I'll tell you what. Um, let me give you thirty seconds, right, to tell everybody who you are and what you do, starting about now. Yeah, I'm uh, Joel Stevenson. I am uh, CEO of Yesware. We were recently acquired by another company called Vendasta, so I look after um, a number of acquired companies there. Before that, I was at Wayfair for seven and a half years and did a bunch of stuff and uh, started my career in sales and marketing. Fantastic. you got a website. Yep. Uh, yesware.com. Fantastic. What I'll do is stick some links in the show notes and um, folks can tap on that. I think we're nearly there. We did it. Not bad. So, so, so you, you're kind of the general manager at the moment. I've originally a bio, bio. General manager of of Vendasta, right? So, yeah, so, yeah. So, so what what is that involved? Are you in you in charge of a whole bunch of people? Yeah, that's right. We um, so uh, Vendasta acquired Yesware about a year ago, and uh, Vendasta has acquired a number of companies. And and uh, Vendasta is a company that uh, builds products and platforms for companies that are selling to small and local businesses. So think of you know things like digital advertising, you know, yeah. managing your web presence, that sort of thing. They mostly go to market through channel, but Yesware was a direct company and and some of the other companies that have been acquired have direct sales motions. And so I'm sort of looking after this go to market motion that's a little bit different from the sort of the traditional way that uh, that Vendas has gone to market. And you're kind of like guiding other people as well. You've got a team team yep. to, to, to work there. How many is in your team? Uh, I don't know, probably about 80 or something. Right, so it's there's a there's a fair bit going on. Presumably, are the management structures below you? How many layers are we talking about? What are we? Is there a lot going on? There's a lot. I, I mean, I think there's probably uh, there's maybe three layers or, or so. I mean, right. I, it, it's a little smaller. When I was at Wayfair, we we had a, I think I had about five hundred and probably a few more layers. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there there every every management structure presents its own challenges and opportunities yeah yeah absolutely well Wayf- wayfair's i mean it's a huge business obviously and you were on the business to business side of things there um was there a huge difference in the in generally the the productivity of people within a a huge company like wayfair compared to something maybe slightly smaller well it's a little bit different in the sense that 
when you're in a SaaS business or software as a service, mm. um, which, you know, yes, we're in, in Vendasta are, uh, you know, you don't have quite as many people that are necessarily doing the exact same job. Whereas at, at Wayfair, you had a little bit of a, a situation where you had, you know, hundreds, thousands of people that are maybe doing the same job, whether mm. it's customer service or logistics, um, you know, warehousing, that type of thing. And, and in the B2B business, we had, you know, probably, you know, a couple hundred account managers that were sort of doing the same thing. And then also a a, a big call center that was doing, um, you know, a lot of sort of outbound uh, communications, and they were all basically doing the same thing. Uh, and so the the tools and tactics that you would apply to make, a, you know, those types of jobs that are sort of the same mm. productive are a little bit different than what you would typically do for someone that, you know, there's only a handful of people that sort of do this job. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, do you think that the larger the company, the less productive the people are who work for it? I don't think so. Um, I mean, it's, I mean, that might be true in a, uh, perhaps in a management sense, just due to some mm. of the overhead that you have. But I, I mean, I would, I mean, I don't think you have to look much further past amazon.com to see that they are very highly productive uh, by yeah. any measure and they've got a lot of people. So it, it, it is possible to do, I think. And, and is this down to structure, do you think? Structure and, and workflows and systems and all this sort of thing? Yes, I I, I think so. I mean, we, we saw this firsthand on the on the Wayfair B2B side as we made a tremendous investment in sort of systems and technology to drive sales productivity. And that, that made a huge difference. So I've, I've definitely seen this happen um, in actual companies. So with you as kind of like the, the lead role, a CEO or, 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 or general manager or that, that type of thing, are you, are you spending a lot of your time on working on these systems? Yeah, it, I, I suppose in at certain points so at it and it probably depends on kind of where you're at as a mm. as a company so at, on the wayfair side we had on the bdv side we knew we had something pretty special and we had a big opportunity to grow it and we had some recipes that were working mm. and so the key was to figure out how do you you know expand these recipes very quickly how do you scale that uh how do you you know how, how do you do sort of the thing that a handful of people are doing and now have a bunch of people do it sort of in the same way. And then also continuously improve it. That was a you know, sort of a uh, top level goal for us was was driving that. I mean, there's other times where, you know, like on the Yesware side, we haven't spent as much time on that because we're in a pretty competitive nascent space. And so a lot sure. of our time was spent a little bit more on you know, what's the product going to do? And, you know, how are we going to, how are we going to innovate to meet our customer needs? Yeah. Uh, it was sort of a little bit of a different uh, part of the journey there. Yeah. yeah. So, so as a CEO, how much time do you think you would spend thinking about how productive everybody else is? Depending on stage. I mean, I, I would say, you know, like a, in the Wayfair example, I probably spent, you know, somewhere between, I don't know, maybe a third, to, uh, maybe to, maybe even half of my time sure. on that um, particular aspect at, at yes, where we've spent much less of, uh, you know, maybe it's like 10 to 20% or something like that. It's yeah. a relatively small. So do you think the workflows and the systems, which a company kind of like designs and builds and everything, do you think these are key to individuals productivity within the business? Yes, we we have a strong belief in that at Yesware, because yeah. um, that's a that's a big part of our uh, big part of our value proposition. And you know, we, we the thing that we understand the best is sales. And if you look at sales, there's just a million 
times throughout the course of a salesperson's day where you might you know, put them out of context or make them change context. And, you know, we know that that carries a very, very heavy burden. And, you know, we've, we've seen that firsthand, not only, you know, with, with our own employees, but with, Mm. um, with our customers, employees, and there's a real tax uh, to that sort of thing. And, you know, manually, manually entering data into systems, you know, Mm. updating reports that, you know, sort of the old uh, TPS reports from office space type of thing. Like you can, it's very possible to uh, absolutely crater productivity if you put the wrong set of things in place, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So so are your workflows pretty strict, do you think? You, you know, you, you stick to this and this is how you do it and you don't, you don't do anything else. It depends. We had, um, I'll give you an extreme example. Hmm. So at, at, over at Wayfair, we had this group that was doing an outbound, uh, sort of a, this outbound contact motion. And we had developed, we had written some code that basically scanned through, I was about several hundred thousand possible tasks yeah. and picked the best one for the agent to do in that moment. And so the agent would go throughout the course of their day and just keep pushing this button called the next action button. Yeah. And then the next action would get teed up and they would do it. And that was all they did yeah. um, for, for an entire day. Uh, and what, you know, every now and then it would break and then everybody would sort of look at each other and be like, Oh, <laughs> what do we do now? Yeah. Um, and it, yeah. that was, that was extremely productive for us but I, you know the, i do have some regrets about that because in some sense it was like a little bit i, I don't know it was almost anti-human yeah i think in 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 some sense and so it was while it was it was good for the business especially in the short run like when you think about a long run like certainly like human like we're, we were not teaching people to think sure um and sure. so that that maybe only takes you so far I ask everybody the, the same three questions who, who come on the podcast. And the first one is kind of like your number one productivity tip. If you, if you could kind of like give one tip to everybody, one thing you do or you've been told, what would it be? I would just tell people to read David Allen's Getting Things Done, I think. Yeah. <laughs> that's, been a, that's been a real uh, godsend for me in my, in my career. And I think like the thing that I probably am the best about with that is sort of keeping my inbox tidy and you know, sort of this, you know, inbox zero notion, which is often conflated with, um, with getting things done. But I think especially as a, as a leader or manager, you know, CEO, whatever, not being a bottleneck, I think is a key part of your job. And, and, you know, a, a messy inbox is often a place where, uh, where bottlenecks can occur. Yeah, absolutely. You're big into the GTD thing. You you do you stick to it pretty rigidly. You're right with it. You think? Um, you know, I have. I think like most things, it's like I have times when I'm pretty good with it, and times yeah. when I sort of uh, I sort of fall out of it. Uh, I sort of never fall out of the core. Yeah, you know, my EA might beg to differ, but um, but I generally don't fall out of the 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 core. Uh, you know, sort of inbox and like you know, in this sort of this two minute rule of like, if you can do it in less than two minutes, yeah. just do it. I mean, yeah. that that is pretty well ingrained. Some of the higher level things like, you know, some of the project and areas of focus planning, I think, uh, you know, can ebb and flow. Yeah. Yeah. And um, talking about all these workflows and all these systems that we build, and you've kind of touched on it when you talked about letting people think, do you think the company's systems can kind of stifle the creativity and almost the enjoyment and the fulfillment of a job? Yeah, well, if, if you know, if you go back to that example that I mm. gave earlier, uh, we were not getting a lot of creativity out of yeah. that group. And, you know, we, we had fortunately had a set of things that were working, but, you know, and, and 
uh, this maybe happened after I left, but I mean, eventually you're going to hit the wall and with whatever tactics you're using and you got to come up with new tactics. And so it's like, where is it, where is that innovation going to come from? And we hadn't, you know, we hadn't really built in creativity there necessarily. And I, I think, you know, it might've been good to sort of at least seed, you know, purposely seed that into, um, into part of the group. And, you know, I think for some folks, they probably thought it was, you know, that was a job and, yeah. you know, it was better, maybe a better job than others, maybe had better benefits or other things. But it, it's difficult to envision a world where someone could be happy and fulfilled doing that job for an extended period of time. And so you're basically building in, you know, attrition and turnover uh, yeah, yeah. somewhat by design. And like, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I, I don't I don't know. Yeah, it yeah. probably depends on the on the circumstance. But yeah. Do, do you want people to think for themselves? I, most of the time, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think there's, you know, like if you look at, maybe if you look at, at software sales, there's kind of two extreme versions of it. There's one version of it, which is you have a highly paid uh, salesperson that is going after very large deals and it's dealing with executives at big companies and, yeah. you know, tends to get an extreme amount of latitude. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have sort of a situation where you've got a bunch of people in a in a call center like environment that are highly regulated yeah. uh, and are sort of run by usually a pretty sophisticated ops group and sort of the the handshake agreement is yeah. uh, you know the, the sales floor can have nerf guns and you know beer <laughs> kegs and all that yeah. stuff but you yeah. do not deviate from the from the routine <laughs> you just just do the routine <laughs> and then everybody's happy yeah. um, and I, I think probably that you know the ideal, scenario i mean it's going to depend on what you're doing but i think the ideal scenario is probably somewhere in the middle of that where you want to have you want to have structure we we in you know yes we're in particular find that companies that are good at sharing best practices across the team outperform pretty significantly and so you like ideally what you want is you want individuals to be able to have some autonomy to create and test and iterate on their own but when when things are discovered that are good that then those get shared across the team and, and systematized. And so you have a little bit of that balance of, uh, you know, of structure and creativity. So, so it is true. The sales team do get all the fun, you know, they, they, they get they, all the fun stuff. Yeah, they, they can, they can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And everybody else, poor. Yeah. Um, so is picking the right people important. Do you think for, for the job, picking the right person? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it depends on what the job is. I mean, I think in where you get, when you start to hire at scale, I think, Mm. uh, you know, you can take advantage of, uh, you know, of some different things. You can sort of profile your top performers. You can do, you know, psychographic screening. There's a lot of things that, you know, that start to open up when you have some, um, some volume in the system. And so you can, you can put a little bit more, a little bit more science towards what you want. And for senior or higher level roles, um, I mean, I, you know, I think I got a, a good friend that runs a company called Predictive Index that has done some really interesting mm. work in this area. And I think he would tell you that, you, you know, you should use it for everybody. Mm. Um, but I think on the executive side, you know, it's so much more of a bespoke process where it's like, you know, is this person sort of have, you know, the right skills for the job? Do they have the right, uh, you know, sort of general orientation for it. Like, can I work with this person? Can they work well with it, with the existing team? It's, it's hard. I mean, you, you have to get the right person, yeah. but it, that it, I don't, you know, that that's, 
that's a di- it's a much more difficult and bespoke process versus kind of the hiring at scale. Yeah, is is it is it impossible to do the bespoke thing sort of like lower down the order, like in customer service or something like that? To have have the managers down there almost do bespoke hiring in a way and try and find out whether you're hiring the right people. Yes, to a point. I think there's. Um there's a cost to doing that. Um, and, and part of the cost is that you may have managers that have uneven skill sets in that area mm-hmm. where you may have one that just has particularly good judgment. And then you may have some others that are not quite as good at that, where they would actually benefit from the guardrails, yeah. you know, of, of a little bit more structure and, and process there. But I mean, you want, in my opinion is you, you do want managers to certainly have agency in this, because if you have a, if you have a process that basically doesn't, give the managers a significant say in who they're hiring sure. they're like how are you going to hold that manager accountable to uh to the results yeah because uh, that, that their, their team is producing yeah I, i've heard a load of folks who, who've kind of like said to me just like hr hire folk and they have no idea on what i want and that happens quite a bit i think doesn't it yeah i mean if i suppose if you're not clear on on what the objective of the mm. role is if you're maybe not clear on what your you know what the principles are by which you run your company or if you don't have a very strong culture where these things are are highly apparent then yeah you you could totally i could totally see that happening yeah was it somebody who said that human resources was neither human nor resourceful or something or yeah (laughs) something like that wasn't it um so because thinking about the type of person so, so for example i would be hopeless in a customer service thing because i cannot sit in a chair for like four hours I just, you know, I need to be up and about. I need to be moving around. I need to be doing something. It's just not me. So it's kind of finding that person. And I spoke to a recruiter not long ago who said to me that some people love to go to work and just be given tasks and said, do this, get on with it, get a paycheck, go home. And it's finding those types of people and putting them in the right jobs. Yep. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, you know, I remember my... My first job out of college, I worked at uh, a big uh, telecommunications company here in the U.S. And we had a whole, remember, we went into this sort of this back building with no windows and mm. there was, you know, hundreds of people sat there uh, and uh, many of whom have been there for like 20 or 30 years. And it was just inconceivable to me that somebody would do that. Yes. <laughs> um, but they were, you know, they were they were quite happy to do it. So the second question I ask everybody is, what's the best piece of advice you've been given? Um, kind of like, it could be from a mentor, or it could be a productivity thing, it could be just life advice. What would it be? Yeah, I um, I remember this thing from the from the first sales call I was ever on. We talked to this guy who was a, a very successful insurance broker, and then he said, "Look, I'm, yeah, I'm going to give you the, the the best piece of sales advice I've ever gotten, which is you have two ears and one mouth for a reason." Mm. And uh, I've found that to be true, you know, not only just in sales, but in uh, in management and you know, whatever role I've been in to try to to try to listen a lot more than you talk um, has been, uh, you know, I'm not always I don't always achieve that. But I found that to be uh, I found that to be kind of a simple rule that uh, that I can follow and this just produce good results for me. Yeah, I like that. Always be wary of the person who's really quiet in the meeting. They're, yeah, I'm they're, silently judging you if it's me. <laughs> they're, they're the one who's doing all the thinking, hopefully. Well, you, you would hope they're doing all the thinking. Um, you, you've kind of touched on on habits and things and, and stuff with with your GTT, GTD thing, but do you have a, 
are you a habitual person? Do you do you have habits and routines that you kind of stick to? Generally, no. I am uh, quite a chaotic person. I think uh, yeah. in in some sense, so it's like I've tried to build all these you know, kind of coping mechanisms to deal with that. And so GTD mm. is one of those where it's like, it doesn't really come that naturally to me, which is sort of the reason why I need to do it. Um, the, the other thing that's been very beneficial for me is sitting meditation, which is, it's, you know, kind of like GTD, like I have my, you know, sort of my good months or bad months with that. Mm. Um, but that's another thing that's really helped me sort of, uh, you know, be more centered, have more focus, be able to uh, approach things a little bit differently than, than maybe I would have otherwise, because I don't, I don't find that, uh, I don't find that I am naturally really that organized or, uh, right. you know, or, or that habitual. Right. That's interesting. Cause a lot of people who fall down the GTD thing are quite, they like it. Do you know what I mean? They, yeah. they, they, they love organizing and sorting out and doing things like that, but you're not particularly like that. There's almost nothing I hate more than that. <laughs> you, you're with me. I, I prefer to get stuff done rather than was my daughter. She will sit there organizing stuff all day if she could. Yeah, I try not. Yeah, I, I try not to be that dogmatic with it. I mean, I think there was a period of time where I was sort of like it felt a little bit like religion, where it's mm. like if you don't do this thing exactly right, then you've, you know, you have to go do your penit, you know, penitence or something for yeah. that. Um, yeah. But uh, I've become a lot more, uh, I've become a lot more loose and sort of easy on myself over time, and trying to make sure that I, you know, get the sort of the principles and the main parts, and not worry about all the detail. Yeah, and you mentioned the meditation. Do, do, do you kind of like use the meditation to like maybe clear your mind sometimes and get fresh perspective on things? Yep. Yeah. It's it 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 is, can be help, quite helpful for that. I think it's all it's it can also be helpful for just. Um, you know, general kind of, uh, you know, emotional control in hmm. general. So like whether you're in a meeting or something and, you know, something triggers you and, you know, your ability to kind of step away, you know, sort of hold that feeling um, and, but then step away from it versus have that feeling then, you know, kind of drive the next thing that you're going to do. Uh, I find it to be um, quite, quite useful for that. Yeah. 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 No, I can imagine. How do you approach meetings? How, how do you, how would how because I mean oh I've had three today and I, they could have been phone calls which took two minutes. Well, we I, I do like the uh, the the Patrick Lencioni death by meeting idea, mm. which is uh, you know your you know your meetings should be interesting and they should be kind of you know kind of uh, you know you should be talking about real things. You shouldn't just be going over boring stuff. Ideally, yeah. if you're if especially if you're getting a bunch of people together, I we have a thing that we've been doing for a long time in um, in our in our my staff meetings that I've, I've liked that um, a guy that used to work for Twitter turned me on to which is we everybody before the meeting everybody writes up their notes about what's going well what's not going well what do you need help with and they're they're reasonably detailed mm -hmm. then we when we start the meeting we sort of just check in and see how everybody's doing and then we sit you know we sort of sit silently for five to ten minutes everybody reads all the notes you can make some comments in the google doc and mm. it's, it's simple things we just sort of handle in the doc um, but then that people sort of talk about the things that they want to talk or to note the things that they want to talk about that then builds the agenda for the meeting and every now and then i'll have stuff that i need to get feedback mm. from the group on or we need to discuss or we need to decide but in general the the agenda sort of builds itself and it, it's remarkable 
Um, number one, that it's it's never boring because there's always we're always talking about things that people want to talk about and that are, yeah. are you know tend to be meaty subjects. And the other thing is that it's 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 amazing how often the stuff that we end up talking about is it is the right stuff to be talking about. You know, it's like if I look back over you know uh, extended time of doing this, it's hard to think back and think of like, oh man, we really missed this thing. Yeah, like we should have been talking about this and we totally missed it. Um, so I, I found that to be quite a quite a good tool, at least for sort of the general staff meeting uh, type, uh, you know, recurring meeting. Yeah. And and is there like a controller of the meeting who's constantly trying to move things on? Um, that's generally me um, mm. in, in that sense where like, well, you know, we'll build the agenda and then, you know, if we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, we'll have to prioritize it and make sure that we talk about the most important things first. Um, usually we, we leave enough space space in that meeting where we typically end early um, on rare occasions we have uh, we have not had time to get everything in and so either we'll have to defer something to the next meeting or I'll have to try to wrap something up so that we can we can get everything in but generally we want in a meeting like that we want at least the feeling that people get is that we can spend you know some real time talking through these issues yeah. not not quite as much as we might do it it's sort of an off-site but I don't want people to feel rushed, like we're not getting all the information or we're not having like a real, uh, you know, a real like spirited, uh, in-depth discussion because people are worried, oh, we only have five minutes for this topic and we got to move on to the next one. So we, I'm sort of watching it, but I'm watching it in, uh, you know, with an eye on sort of multiple factors, if you will. So meetings in real life or meetings on Zoom, Meet, Teams, whatever it is, which works best, do you think? Well, we have we haven't done a an in person one in a long time, yeah. so it's I, I'm sort of forgetting what that feels like. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I think that was, I mean, there's always there's there's always the benefit of all the nonverbal communication that you get, and I think people you know can tend to be a little bit more present. What we will do is, you know, typically when we're when we're having a virtual meeting, we we try to have everybody be virtual. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah. You know, even if folks are in the office, we'll you know we'll we'll tend to sit in front of our computers in different rooms or something um, to sort of keep the playing field even. We find that uh, when you when you have some people in a room and some people online, it's really difficult to uh, to foster the the same type of, of communication. So I, I think it can be effective in either case. I mean, I think if if I had a my way, I would have those meetings in person all the time. But you know, reality and logistics, uh, and I think many people's personal working preferences dictate that that's that's hard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what about task lists? How do you see? I mean, obviously the GTD thing. I mean, uh, presumably you don't use your inbox as a task list. I hope you don't. <laughs> I try not to. Yeah, I, I do try not to. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, I, I've gone through. You know, all the. I mean, this is. I think this is another like kind of GTD thing. It's it's a little bit like. Uh, it's a little bit like golfers where it's like, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to change my swing and I change my golf club yeah. and maybe I'll do better. So it's like, I, you know, I've gone through a million different task lists. Task, so yeah. This this is going to be the one, you know, that is the task list to rule them all. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and I don't think it much matters. You know, you could use pencil and paper, what, you know, yeah. whatever. It's it's sort of the, it's kind of how you keep it up to date. And so I, I, I use Google Tasks today um, just because we're a, we're a G Suite company and it just yeah. makes it easier to, there's a there's a couple of creature comforts there to try to get tasks that are floating around from other areas and get them kind of uh, you know into one place. But uh, you know I what I find is when I don't do that weekly review, uh, that's when my task list gets really screwed up. Right. 
Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you do so, so uh, you do that religiously, I, I presume. Uh religiously might be uh <laughs> a little bit further than I'm willing to yeah. to take it, but I uh I sort of I strive to do that on a regular basis, yeah. Yeah. And, and so you you kind of so when you wake up in the morning and you you're kind of like you're ready to start work, you kind of already know what you've got to do today. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I I do li- I like the concept of um you know, for things that have to be done in a given day, putting them up sort of as a, you know, almost in, in kind of in that calendar, but, you know, yeah. set it, you know, where it's like, it's a task that has to be done today versus like a general task. Um, I find that that's useful for things that are kind of time sensitive and, or, you know, if I know that I've got to spend a bunch of time doing something, just blocking it off in the calendar, uh, you know, and, yeah. and sometimes that can sort of, that can be the reminder, if yeah. you will. But um, most of the time, yeah, I'm, I've got a pretty good sense of um, of what I've got to get done, and we've got a pretty good, you know, set of management routines inside of Vendasta for people sort of stating what their objectives are at the beginning of the week and what they're working on, and then kind of recapping those. Yeah, I, calendar blocking for me is just huge. Just I've, I've, I've blocked off a couple of days next week. Um, it just it just frees you up to actually get stuff done. Yeah, my um, and I'm I'm fortunate to have a very good EA who will proactively block off time in my uh, calendar. Yeah, um, for that type of stuff, which is uh, that can be a godsend. So, so final question that I ask everybody is um, what is your secret procrastination? Your favorite waste of time? Everybody kind of like just stares out of the window sometimes and just watches a cat cross the road for no reason. Um, what's your kind of favorite waste of time? Um, I mean, I think if, if it's sort of the thing that I'm doing in a moment, in the moment, I might get distracted or something like that. I think oftentimes it's uh, lately it's been scrolling through uh, my X or Twitter feed. Yeah, I think it's been uh, it's, it's been kind of the thing that's been getting me lately. Yeah, it's not good for you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> It's things feel like, especially these days, it's like there's not a lot of not a lot of good stuff that comes up in there. It seems like. But. Yeah, I, I I'm not sure what I don't know whether I'm just getting old, but I've I've lost in I've, I'm or I'm starting to lose interest in it. I don't know whether it's just that I've over the last fifteen years it's been around. I've just seen so much of the same crap over and over again that I'm just actually finally starting to get bored with a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah, I I have a pretty curated, I feel like a very small number of people that I follow. Yeah. uh, And I pretty aggressively, you know, now they have the mute, I pretty aggressively mute people that are just clearly idiots. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, that takes work too, but I think that does, it does help, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I still use it. There's no shortage. There's like an endless supply of idiots, though. Oh, so it's, it's, it's difficult. It's, yeah, it seems. Yeah, that everywhere. I am. I still use an RSS reader for for organizer. Oh yeah, so that 1996, cool. isn't it? Yeah. Like... <laughs> um, Joel, thanks for joining me. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Um, where can we find you? Where's your website, social media? Is on LinkedIn or something? Um, yeah, I mean, a, a couple things. Um, if, um, you know, for folks that are interested in, in sort of, uh, you know, inbox productivity and that sort of thing, um, Yesword is an interesting tool to check out. And you, mm. can, you can start a free trial at uh, yesword.com. We've got a, a blog there where we've been writing, you know, about sales productivity for many, many years at sure. uh, yesword.com forward slash blog. And then I, I have a podcast on sales called The Hard Sell, which you can find at yesword.com forward slash blog. And, 
you can find me uh, pretty easily on uh, LinkedIn or you, know, you can email me at uh, jstevenson at yesword.com. Fantastic. Joel, I'll um, stick a whole bunch of links in the show notes. Focus can kind of like just tap on those. Um, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Yeah, nice to be here. Thanks for, thanks for the chat. Thanks again to Joel for his time. Don't forget to check out all the links in the show notes. Uh, If you've enjoyed the episode, subscribe for more on Apple and Spotify and Amazon and absolutely everywhere. Uh, Just search for the Triple T Productivity Podcast. Thanks for listening.